Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today, our guest is the lovely and vibrant Lori Etkin. Thank you for joining us, Lori. I'm so happy to be here, Tammy. So, Lori, why don't you tell us what it is that you do? What has you passionate and excited? Well, you and I both share a passion for financial literacy, improving financial literacy. So I'm a financial advisor. I manage investments. But uh, recently, over the past few years, I became certified. We call it a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, or CDFA. We have them in the States. We have them in Canada as well. Yes. And a lot of people haven't heard of it. But it's a financial professional who specializes in divorce-related financial planning. And what makes it fun and interesting, always exciting, is that just like in Canada, where your divorce laws vary by province, our divorce laws vary by state. So it's really important to work with, uh, not only would you want you know, a lawyer or a mediator who's familiar with your provincial or state laws, but you also want a financial expert who's familiar as well. Oh, very, very much so. Yes, it's it's been a relatively new designation up here in Canada, but it's very much needed. Very, very much needed because unfortunately, love is one grand, divorce is 10,000. And a hitman would only cost like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's cheap. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's what uh, I'm excited about. My husband can't believe I'm working with divorce, divorcing couples day in, day out. He thinks it's horrible because he went through his own divorce. I'm wife number two. But I really enjoy uh, a few things. The, the financial dividing assets can be very complicated yes. when you're dealing with retirement assets, non-retirement assets. You've got... Um, some uh, interest in a house that maybe is separate property of one person. You may have to value pensions. So the numbers stuff excites me where it scares other people, right, who don't like numbers. But mm-hmm. what's even more important is so many of the women who I work with, they are terrified about having to live on one income. They're terrified about having to reduce their lifestyle, their standard of living after divorce. They don't know if they're going to be able to negotiate a fair settlement. And I help a lot of women through that process. And it's 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 very fulfilling for me. Well, I think it would be a very good thing for people to be sitting down with people like you when they're planning the wedding. 
Uh, oh gosh, well I'm sure you've given that uh, you've probably given that lecture as well, right? You know, I tell you when people, you know, when people forget the wedding, when you're dating somebody and you start living together, you are already naked with that person. Don't you think it's it's about time to be intimate with your finances? I mean, people will go and hop in bed with people, but they won't even talk about you know your student loan debt. <laughs> Well, as I tell people, I'm going, money is a more taboo subject than sex. And I'm going, and if you can't talk about money and, 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 and how you want to handle it and the goals and, like you said, the student debt and, and all the other stuff when, when, when you're lovey and dovey and, and things are good and you're still, like, having sex, um, how's it going to work when you're stressed, money, kids, all of this other stuff? You got it. You, that's right. So we need we need to have those wonderful conversations and, and we need to start, like you said, back when you're dating. I've I've done a lot of pre marriage financial counseling and I've had I've had two couples call off the wedding after working with me. <laughs> wow, Pam, I don't know if they should hate you or thank you, but I think you've done a great service. People will say you're just, how could you have done that? I'm going, I just prevented the divorce because it was there was no way like, yes, they had the, the chemistry and the sexual sparks, but anything that actually mattered to make a marriage work and last, they were on opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, as you know, in, in a marriage, people fight over sex and money. I mean, those are the things. I mean, parenting is also a third issue, but it's the money. It's the money. And if you don't have similar values on money, uh, it's going to be very difficult. Very much so. What's your family situation? So obviously you're married. Right, I'm, I'm the second wife, and I and whenever he gets really angry with me, I just say, "Okay, you ready to move on to number three? <laughs> That's my divorce prevention remedy." <laughs> Ladies, remember that if you're the second wife. Um, so I have a stepdaughter who is about to turn 21, Ooh. and. That's a big deal in the States because in Canada, I think your drinking age is younger than 21, isn't it? Uh, well, here in Alberta, it's 18 and, and most of the provinces, it's 19. But yes, I know down in the States, it's the magic 21. Right. So I need to hide my wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as if you didn't have to hide it before, dear. <laughs> That's true. But anyway, she's a she's a great young lady. I have to be honest. I am I. She's taken after me in terms of her frugality and her work ethic, and, and not her mom. And um, she has she started an investment account uh, when she was uh, a teenager, and there's yeah a couple of thousand dollars in there now. So I'm I'm really happy about that. And she feels, you know, you got to have these young women start feeling financially empowered. She's very aware of what things cost. She works she babysits does odd jobs and she um, really knows uh, how to stick with a budget uh, you know I wish I could take the credit but I really can't I think she's just got a really good uh, head on her shoulders and I'm very happy about that well that's really good so with having a stepdaughter that's very close to being a legal adult here and you being in the industry what are the types of questions and stuff does she ask you Oh, uh, well, actually, she does. I'm the stepmom, so she uh, will only take my advice about five years after I've given it. You know, anytime I've given her advice as a child, you five years from now, she does it. So, <laughs> well, you know what? It could, it could be worse. <laughs> I know. It's pretty funny. So she actually gets stock tips uh, from her friends, and we look into them together. So we'll research them together. But her friends are talking about stocks in their 20s? 
Well, yeah, because everyone wants to get in the cannabis industry now that it's legal in many states in California. Yeah, California, you guys are pretty new to that, aren't you? That's right. And then um, they also are very interested in a social change. So companies that are socially responsible, uh, folks like uh, they like the biotech, the genetic stuff. That's of, of interest to a lot of the of the young folks. Very interesting. Yes, we're, we're looking forward to uh, cannabis is going to be legal in Canada July 1st. Mm, all nationwide? Nationwide. So, yes, right now all of our different provinces are, are working on figuring out all the rules and stuff that will be going along with that. And, yes, there's a specific cannabis index for tracking all the cannabis companies and stuff like that because it's gigantic. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> the index. Yep, the Canadian index. Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. But it's pretty funny because uh, I don't know about you, Tammy, but I'm one of the folks that really gravitates to the blue chips dividend payers. I, I like, you know, I manage money for clients and in almost every portfolio you'll see stocks that really are, are those companies that have consistently paid dividends even during 2008. And, and that's what I like, the dividend payers. School. These young kids, they don't want the dividend payers. Dividend, they they want you know they they want speculation. They don't want dividends. <laughs> well, they're 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 in a di- they're in a different stage and very much in in, in the building in that. So pros and cons to everything. Pros and cons. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So do do any of her friends, if they're if they're having these discussions, talk to you, or or what are the things that you're overhearing? that they're interested in right now or things that you feel that they really should be paying more attention to? Well, it's interesting. Whenever I work with the divorcing couples, uh, often a year later, um, they'll send one of their, their kids to me or multiple kids. And they're usually in their 20s with their first jobs, maybe second jobs. And these these kids are overwhelmed with the choices. You know, we, ha- we have in the States the Roth IRA. Some companies offer a 401k. Um, as you know, uh, student loan debt is crushing. Um, people are not knowing how to handle credit cards. And so I get the basic financial plan. Planning questions like, you know, should I pay off my credit card? Should I build an emergency fund? Should I pay off my student loans early? How am I going to afford to save for a house? So the millennials uh, continue to have these questions. And they're, you know, I guess people at all ages have those questions, but I find them mostly from the millennials. And and what, what do you think are the best hopes for, like, we have somewhat similar issues up here in Canada with our millennials, but our student loan issue, for one, is nowhere near the disaster it is down in the States. Mm-hmm. Well, and these are tough questions. A lot of single moms, uh, divorced moms, uh, will say to me that they would rather not save for their retirement accounts. They would rather make sure they paid for their kid's college so the, the kid doesn't have student loan debt. But I, I totally disagree because nobody's going to lend you money uh, when you're retired and you find that Social Security is paying you maybe 2000 a year and you have no other income. So I would much rather see kids have the student loan debt versus the parent not having a retirement fund. I know this is very controversial. Women don't do that. They want to care for the kids and it's a huge uh it's a huge uh problem. It really is. You know, you keep no free lunch. You have to make choices and and they're both bad. Yeah, no, very very much so. Like um 
I don't know what you guys have down in the States, but we have RESPs up here in Canada and they're, they're quite popular where you could put some aside and you get some grant money from the government to make it easier. But I also don't believe that kids should have everything fully paid for because when that happens, they don't seem to have the same value and discipline when it comes to getting their education because they didn't have to financially put into it. I agree. I agree. But, you know, you and I are, are we may be the minorities. I don't know, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I wrote a book called Every Woman Should Know Her Options. And in it, I talk about the pride I felt when I was 31 years old and I sent in the last monthly installment of my student loan. And it was I tell you, you know, you get used to it and you find that if you're paying, you know, a few hundred dollars a month on your loans, I know in certain times for certain people it can be much higher. Don't get me wrong. I know that. But once I turned 31 and paid off the last of my undergraduate student loans, that's when I was really able to kick it into gear and max out on my retirement plan at work, really start putting away money in a brokerage account. That's really when I started building my wealth. So I think debt actually can get you into a good behavioral pattern of being financially responsible, having a budget, knowing you have to pay that bill. And then when they're gone, boom, you have all this extra money that you can invest for your future. It's great. If it's done properly, yes, I agree. I agree with you. Debt debt can be a wonderful tool. But one of the other things that I'm, I'm seeing a lot are, are kids going to school for things that are actually going to help them land a better job and a better paying job? Or in a lot of cases, are they investing a lot of time and an awful lot of money into something that they're not really going to be able to use where they should possibly be looking at other options like entrepreneurship or trades or different things? Absolutely. We have that same debate in the States all the time. Uh, you know, it used to be that a liberal arts college was the finest education that you know was very was what everyone wanted and now you're wondering why are you paying seventy thousand dollars a year to some of these liberal arts schools when the kids you know graduate with a degree in history or English or French literature. I think it's phenomenal. I love education, but then they have to make those decisions. Am I gonna now need to go to grad school? Uh, which will add more debt. So I don't have the answers to this. These are just very important trade-offs in life, and I don't think we'll ever have the answers to this. Well, and for each and every person it's different, but I'm going, are we as a society having the conversations? Because the world that you and I grew up in is very different than the world our parents grew up in, and it's very different than the world our kids are growing up in. But are our conversations and the questions that we're asking, are we changing that to properly equip our kids rather than, okay, yes, it used to be, like you said, go to liberal arts college or go to college and you get that degree and that degree is going to get you a good job and stuff. Well, those jobs in a lot of cases just don't exist anymore. So what are your options? For some people, it's still a good option, but I don't think it is for the most part a good option anymore, especially if you've got kids that are coming out with $100,000 plus in debt. Yeah, it's a serious problem here. It really is. But if you want to talk about, you know, controversial issues, why don't we hit the topic of uh, women who stay home to raise kids and stay out of the workforce for years and years and years? That's a huge problem, too. Oh, <laughs> I mean, gigantic. 
Um, you know, I, I see this all the time with a lot of uh, the divorces that I, I, the divorcing couples I work with, the women now are in their 50s. Maybe they had a career in their 20s, but they stayed home to raise one, two, or three kids, and now they're finding that um, they don't have enough income. They may get child support, but not after the kids turn 18, and they may get spousal support, which is called, depending on the state, we call it alimony or maintenance. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to work with these women to get prepared for when that support goes away, what are they going to do to generate income? And so, you know, another societal issue, just like, you know, should we send kids to expensive colleges if they're not going to get the degrees that get them out of debt and a paying job. It's the same thing when women take time off out of the workforce or never return to the workforce to raise kids. Uh, I'm just seeing this, and I even think the younger generation, the studies that I've seen is the millennials, many of them are still taking uh, time off of the workforce to raise children. And there's a huge debate. Is it horrible to have a working mom? Is that bad for the kids? Can women do at all? Can they be a, a working person, a high achiever, and be a mother? How do you afford childcare? Yeah, the, the cost of childcare. I don't know how people can function having more than one kid if you have to be putting them in daycare. You can be you can be spending all of your take-home pay just to put the kid in daycare. Well, that's right. And even if that's the case, though, I still encourage women to do it because when these women get divorced, and we know how divorce is still very prevalent, it's especially, it's the numbers, the stats are showing that women over 50 are getting divorced at higher rates than younger women. You know, it's called the gray divorce. Um, you know, it might have made sense to, even if you had a job that barely covered the daycare, at least you stayed in the workforce. And now when you're in your 50s, you will have a higher paying position. You've increased your earning power. I feel very strongly about this. Uh, but again, you know, I, I people will criticize me and say that it's awful for children that they don't have a stay-at-home parent. So I don't know the answer. I don't know what studies that they're reading, but I've seen an awful lot of stuff that uh, children with working mothers are stronger, more independent. It's actually even more important for boys to be seeing that they have a working mother than it is for the girls and all the studies that I've seen. So I don't know where they're getting their stuff from. And the big thing is sanity, love, and being able to support them. <laughs> Yes, I like that. I like that. Well, I'll be happy. I'd love to see any study you have. I'll be happy to include that in my newsletter. I think it'd be interesting reading. I'll, I will definitely send it to you. But yes, there's been quite a few studies that go, no, having a working mom is not a, a bad thing at all. It's also when, like you're talking about earning potential and jobs and stuff. That's one of the many reasons why I am such a huge fan of entrepreneurship. And this is why I advocate so strongly for it. It needs to be taught more in schools because the go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get a good corporate job and be there until you retire doesn't exist anymore. Does not exist. Where if you set up your own business, you build your skills, you can set your income. There's no limits on what you can do and how much you can learn. And the only people that can fire you basically is you. <laughs> However, so I'm going to be devil's advocate on that. I love what you're saying, Tammy, but I have to be honest with you. You know, I work with a lot of, I'm, I'm a mentor for a, uh, a association, an entity called Hera Hub, and we are all 
female entrepreneurs. It's female focused. We have male members, so I, we don't discriminate against men. But the vast majority of the of the members are women, and a lot of these women are struggling to have a viable business. You need a very good business idea. You need a tenacious personality. You need to be able to live off of savings for several years until your business is profitable. I I get very nervous when I see a lot of women who are laid off from jobs or they've been stay at home moms. They try to start a business. Business, and very few of these businesses are profitable, and that, that's the truth. So I think we need more support and mentorship because people are going into entrepreneurship with no business plan, uh, no resources, no skills, no champion, no support, and we have to change that. Oh, I'm, I'm completely 100% on board with you. That's why, like I said, they need to learn how to do it. It needs to be taught because I don't know about schools down in California and San Diego but it isn't taught here. It's, no, of course and, and not. Yes, I specialize in working with self-employed small business owners, and most crash and burn because they have no, no idea what it is that they're doing. They're, te- they're technicians that are very good at building their widget or delivering a widget, but everything else that goes along with business, they haven't a clue. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the work you're doing. It's, it's, it's so, it's so needed because you're exactly right. You know, there are very few pensions left in corporations, uh, and, uh, you know, people are not in jobs for 20 and 30 years anymore. And as we know, entrepreneurship is going to continue the gig economy, the side gigs and all that. And, uh, but I just, I'm just concerned that a lot of people are actually staying out of the traditional workforce, eating into their savings and have nothing to show for it. So. There's smarter there's smart ways to launch. <laughs> and yes, how most people do it it's it's not smart. Like you said, yes, they're eating up all their savings and stuff because they just jumped in with with an idea, and nothing else backing them up. Right. Well, our, our experiences are very similar definitely, but it's it's got to be the way to go. I agree with you. We need to support entrepreneurship and and uh, allow people and help them succeed. So to wrap up here, if you could, if you could say, okay, kids need to have these three lessons down deep so that they can go out into the financial world and succeed, what three things would you recommend for kids? All right, number one, work hard. You must work hard and you must have a plan for generating income and becoming financially independent. That's financially independent from your parents and that's financially independent from a significant other. That's number one. Oh, I love that. In fact, you know what? Forget the other two. That's the number one, and that's the one. (laughs) That's one, two, and three. (laughs) Yes, I I love that because, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to uh, get millennials and that out of the house for many different reasons. And then, yes, there's so many people that once they they find who they consider to be their life partner, whether it be their, their husband or their wife, they give up. And they stop paying attention, and that's dangerous regardless of divorce. Death can happen. Disability can happen. And if you don't know what's going on, it is a dangerous position to be in. That's right. Don't abdicate your financial responsibility when you get married. You should both, it's a, it's a partnership between two people and you both should have transparency and both make decisions and know what's going on financially. Wonderful. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. Thank you. It was just a lot of fun, Tammy. I appreciate what you're doing. All right. Enjoy your sunshine. Thank you.
Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.